Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. We teach on a little bit different subject. It's something that we do need to consider uh, through the word of God and just simple thought here doing the right thing doing the right thing and that's what we we must continue to think about and what is the right thing there's so many varied ideas about what the right thing is and I want to be reading from the book of Daniel tonight um, and also the book of Romans I guess the first few verses we'll read here shortly is in the book of Romans chapter 7 verse 21 through 25 and we'll also be reading in the book of Daniel chapter 6 so Romans 7 21 through 25 and Daniel chapter 6 verse 1 and on however far we get tonight um, doing the right thing I know that um there's a lot of teaching principles that have been taught to us through the years as um, from a young child up to the age that we are at right now and I am thankful that I've had teachers in my life um, sometimes I haven't always liked the teaching uh, not that the teaching was wrong, but some of the teaching was against what I wanted. <laughs> Sometimes teaching is showing us the way and we receive it and agree with it, but sometimes teaching shows us a direction that sometimes we don't like to go, but we need to go. And matter of fact, let's get down to the bottom of that thought here tonight. Sometimes the teaching, when we know we don't like to hear certain teaching, we know it's right. Still yet, we know it's right. Now, I'm not going to teach you something tonight that I don't think you agree with because I feel like that you know what's right. Now, right should be based on not feelings, not certain things that we, the flesh, is trying to drive us to. The right and wrong um, needs to be based on the principles of the Word of God. They are the final authority. I'm, I'm not the final authority. My feelings, my thoughts, my, what I want is not the final authority. Uh, your thoughts, your feelings should not be the final authority, but we need to go back to the Word of God to find out what the final authority is. And... The Word of God is not written for the purpose of destroying us, hurting us. Um, it's designed to bring us into more blessings and to bring us into more um, the blessings and giftings of God. What He has really, truly 
plan for us as his creation, his human beings, he wants us to be able to take the word of God and obey it. And what we will find through the word of God, if we obey it, not just that we believe it and we know it's right, but we walk in it, we believe it, we stand upon it, we obey it, and through that obedience, we find that it brings blessing to our lives. Can I hear a rightful amen? The word of God is right. And it is the final authority. So tonight, if, if I were to ask each and every one of us as members of Landmark here tonight, if I were to ask you the question, um, what is the right thing for us to do in life situations? What, what is the right thing to do? And if, if I gave you certain scenarios, certain situations, I know that uh, the people of the church, you know, I have firm confidence that you know what's right and wrong because you've heard the preaching, the teaching of the word, you've read the word, you've been in the presence of God, you've experienced some relationships with God. So if I were to ask the question, well, what is it? What, what is the right thing for us to do in life situations? We would probably be... I, I say we would be amazed, but we probably wouldn't be amazed in the thought that we probably would come up with the right answers. The right answers. And really, if we go a little further than that, if we were to ask people in the community or in the state, well, Illinois, I don't know about Illinois, if they would get it right, but... If we've crossed over the river into Missouri, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I mean, if you ask the people of the United States of America what's right and what's wrong, I think they would pretty, pretty well come to the conclusion of what is right. And, and in some cases, we'd probably be amazed that they, if we really got down to the real, real depths of people's thinking of right and wrong, they know what's right and wrong. Sometimes they don't do what's right but they do what's wrong. But I believe that people, for the most part, know right from wrong, but yet I also understand that there's a lot of teaching that is leading people away from the word of God. And um, because of that, there's certain prim principles of life that we have been taught that are right and certain principles that are wrong um, it's changing. What, what, we've, what we have been taught through the years, um, in our world today, there's a lot of thinking in certain terms that you come up against certain situations, and they're, they're thinking right is totally different than what the Word of God says. So when we look at this, what is right and wrong? Um, it's no wonder that in, in an article that was written by Dennis Prager in Good News, in 1993, it was quoted in Christianity Today that uh, he said it is no wonder that in 15 years of asking high school students throughout America, whether in an emergency situation, if they would save their dog or a stranger first. That was the question that was been asked for 15 years. Now, I know a lot of people love their dog. 
Brother Eric, I know you love your dog. <laughs> I loved my dog. <laughs> I've had several dogs through the years, and you know some of the names, and we've crossed that bridge before. But um, the question was asked of some high school students in an emergency situation, or if your house was burning down or whatever. You know, sometimes you're asked, well, what would you grab first? What would you get first? Some of the most precious things we would grab. Now, I know the right thing would be human beings. Save the human beings. But here's, as they ask the question, would you, would you save your dog first or a stranger first? And most students have answered that they would not save the stranger. And this is their response. I love my dog. I don't love the stranger. That, to me, is totally wrong. Okay, you put value on certain things. I, I realize there's value. I, you know, I, I love, um, you know, I, I love certain things that I have. I'm, I don't know if I should say love it. I mean, I like it. I enjoy it. I'm glad I have it. I mean, I love brownies. <laughs> but I love my wife more than I love brownies. So if the house was burning down, I would not go and, and save the brownies because I would be saving my wife first. So you could make me more brownies. Because <laughs> that's where the <laughs> that's the source of the brownies. That's what I was going to get to, but I knew you came up with it first so before I could say that. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things that I really like and I'd probably do my best to save, but there's some things that are far more important, more valuable. So I, I don't have a dog at this time, but I do, I, you know, I've always loved my dogs. They're very good dogs. Some I didn't say I loved, but I took care of them. I fed them. And some of them I loved. <laughs> but I wouldn't love, even though I don't know a stranger, I would put value on life of a human being, more value on that than I would on a dog. Because I believe that's the right thing to do. So when we put these things in, in the right perspective, it does come down to, um, you know, the principles of the Bible, the Word of God, what's more important. I realize dogs have life, they have breath, beating of the heart. But a person is more valuable and more important saving them than, when, than a dog would be. Now, um, as they asked this question, they said, I, I love my dog, I don't love the stranger. They would always say this. The feeling of love in our world today has supplanted God or religious principle as the moral guide for young people. What is right has been defined in terms of what an individual feels or loves. What they feel or loves. And they put that as a principle of what they put value in. Um, but there are some principles that should not change. 
A person is more important than things. You can't replace people. You can replace things. You can replace brownies. You can replace a house. You can replace furniture. You can replace this, that. But you can't replace human beings. So it's important for us to put value on that. But you know, in our world today, there's a lot of changes of values. And the reason is, is because there's a lot of people in our world, and even the younger generation it has got away from the word of God. Now, there's people that don't go to church today, but they do have values of right and wrong from somewhere in their past because it was taught. It was taught. Uh, a lot of times today, it's still taught, of course, but there are, in some cases, it's not taught. It is a concern uh, for our young people, for our children growing up. It's important for our uh, youth growing up for us to teach them the right thing. And when, when children come to the house of God here at Landmark, there's a lot of times that, that this is the only time, sad to say, that they are taught to sit in a chair, taught to not speak when others are speaking, or raise your hand or what have you. They might be taught that in school, at public school or whatever. But what we have found in time is there's a lot of times that this is the only place that a lot of right and wrong is taught because there's a lot of homes that these things are not being taught. And it is important for us as parents to be able to teach our children right from wrong, the right thing, the wrong thing. And as we teach them along the way, and I, I'm a firm believer that, um, that you can't start too early. I believe that it, right and wrong needs to be taught from a very beginning because in the first five years, it's been said that, and maybe it's even less than that, that those are the most formative years of a child's life. Even though you might not think that they're understanding these things, they are understanding them a whole lot more than what we think. They're very smart. They're very, very smart. Uh, my wife laughs at me at times when I talk about things that I remember as a child. I remember a lot of things as a child. I had a very good childhood. I had... Uh, a lot of good things, a lot of love, a lot of family time together, a lot of good things. There was a lot of struggle. There was a lot of hard times during that growing up years also uh, that I had to face. I, be, I do believe those hard times helped uh, shape some of the things in my life, just like y you have also. There's some hard times. There's some good times in our life. But uh, during those times, I can remember so many lessons that I learned from my parents, from my brother, uh, from my grandmother, my grandfather. Uh, I do have a memory that goes back to the times. I remember my, um, my uh, grandpas and my great-grandpas that passed away when I was about three years old. I remember them. Uh, I remember it very, very clearly. I remember my great-grandfather that lived next door to us, and he would go out to the garden, and he would till the garden. He had a tiller. He bought a new tiller and he would bring it back in. I remember this so clearly that, that uh, one of the things he always carried a pocket knife in his pocket and um, I remember he would take a salt shaker out to the garden as we were uh, tilling and then we were you know pulling up the harvest which was turnips. Uh, he would clean it up. He would peel it uh, take a pocket knife, cut it, and put salt on it. And we'd sit out by the garden and eat it. I was 
three years old or younger. I remember those times. Uh, my job was to take a, a small board and clean the hubcaps off uh, the, of mud off the hubcaps of the uh, tiller. I was three years old. I remember those things. I remember going in the house when we were finished and laying down on the couch and curling up beside him. I remember that. I remember a lot of lessons and things, just little things that was taught through the years. I thank the Lord for those things. I remember my dad, just different things that he would do. He, sometimes he didn't even, he, he taught, but sometimes he didn't realize what he was teaching by just his actions and things he did and the way he responded to certain things was teaching me. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, just watching him when he would hit his uh, thumb or cut his finger with a, a knife or, or hit his thumb when we were uh, putting shingles on the garage and how he responded to it. It wasn't like some people respond. Uh, he would just, I remember one time he cut himself as we were doing that roof and his finger was bleeding and he took a handkerchief, which all the guys back then carried handkerchiefs, and he, he would take it and he would wrap it around his thumb and he'd go back to work. And I would... I was thinking to myself at that time, if I were you, Dad, I'd be down off the roof here crying somewhere on by the tree. That's probably the best thing to do right now because you're bleeding. And he taught me a lesson that day that, uh, you know, you've got to be tough. You've got to keep going. And I thought, wow, my dad is tough. And he was tough. My dad taught me how to hold a trouble light. All the guys understand that, maybe even some of the girls too, that there's only a certain way to hold a trouble light when your dad's working on something. <laughs> There's a certain way to hold it. And he had to teach me. And sometimes he taught me in ways that I didn't really like the way he did it. Because he would say, okay, hold it up a little closer and I would try to hold it a little closer and then I get too close and I was burning his ear because it got real hot, you know what I'm talking about. And then he'd, he'd say, okay, you need to move that back. And then it would get to the point where in his patience, he would grab it and say, hold it right here. He would jerk it over and say, hold it right here. And uh, I learned my lessons after that. I knew how to hold the light. So, so a lot of things we're taught through the years, but there's some things that need to be taught of the values and principles of not what I feel, you feel, not our opinion, our opinions can go wild, but what the Word of God says, because the Word of God is teaching us the exact principles of what we need to do to be able to conduct life and be blessed and love others and care for souls, care for lives, put value on things that God puts value on, because those things are very important to life. That's what a lot of our society is losing. I'm concerned about uh, some of the younger generation. We've got a great group of young people here at our church. Thank the Lord for that. But as our world as a whole, there's a lot of teaching that is showing values of, of little value of life, just like abortion. It's years ago, doctors made an oath to... They made an oath to... Um, preserve life but today it's like it's like it means nothing life means nothing uh, even in situations of what's going on in our world today sometimes life doesn't mean much to people 
it was very concerning to me, and I, I don't want to get on this and dwell on it, but it was very concerning to me. I heard in the news that one of the men that was shot and killed, that the crowd cheered when he died. That was very troubling to me. Very, very troubling to me. You see, we must get back on track of the values of the Word of God. We must get back on track of what the Word of God says and live by it and be obedient to it. It's so very important. If we get off track, sometimes we make wrong decisions. We all have. We've all made wrong decisions, but that's the beauty of God getting us back on track. Repentance is a part of getting back on track. And I know that there's a lot of issues in life, and we, we all, even here tonight, have dealt with things that have led us in a pathway that we've got off track. But what's right and wrong? What's right and wrong is what the Word of God says. That's right, and that's what's wrong. It's spelled out there. We all know the right thing to do. Those that don't do the right thing, I believe, know what's right. In one sense, they know what's right. Because the, the, a lot of times the conscience is speaking to people and tell them what's right and wrong. Now, now I am going somewhere with this because we've got to know what's right and wrong. The difference many times is many don't want to do right. They know what's right, but they just don't want to do right. And I don't think it's just for this age. I think it's been like that in the existence of mankind. Just don't want to do right. Their conscience is seared and calloused, and sometimes they don't even think about it. You know, they don't even think about what's right and what's wrong. They don't even weigh it out. They just do what they feel like they want to do. Their conscience is seared. Don't think of it. But we must, in thinking about what's right and wrong, we must let the voice of what's right override the voice of what's wrong. We must let that voice override the actions of wrong. We have decisions. We're faced with it all the time. We come to those whys in the road and we, you know, we either go to the left or go to the right. You go to the left or the right. One way is right, one way is wrong. But we've got to take the word of God and let it change the decisions we make. Change the decisions we make. Following the word of God. Um, sometimes pressure, pressure makes us do something that we know is wrong. Pressure many times keeps people from doing the right thing. And you know, even allowing small things to creep in, it doesn't start with big things. It starts with little things. The Bible says that this, it's a small fox that's pulled the vine, and they creep in. And they begin to distort our value system. What's valuable? 
not just in my feelings what's valuable but life or human beings people you see allowing small things to creep in can get our focus off of God uh, but here's the thing and I say this this way because I believe it is exactly what we're saying here that we've got to get in our, our thinking is if we get our focus off by allowing small things to creep into our life and we get distorted in what's right and wrong I say it this way we must press our way back to a commitment to God the word of God the power of God the church faithfulness to God's house you see if we don't if we lose the commitment and we lose faithfulness and we lose these things and we and and, and I and I know that one thing that has definitely affected every church I talked to pastors there's some churches that haven't even been back into the doors of their church sad um, and there's some churches in some states that they said you could go back to church you got to be separated but you can't sing in church and because of all of this COVID stuff it has at some points taken our focus off of where we were at when we were flowing in a good flow things were really happening but it's taken our focus off and it is very important for us to press our way back into a commitment and faithfulness to God to his word to prayer to his house commitment commitment and faithfulness to that amen we got to press our way back into connection and relationship with God now it says here in the book of Romans uh, very interesting what Paul wrote now I would recommend to you to read this whole chapter because there's a lot more in it than, than what I'm reading tonight but it does kind of sum a lot of things up here about what I'm talking about the book of Romans chapter 7 verse 21 through 25 it reads as Paul wrote I find then a law that when I would do good evil is present with me evil is present with me it's a law he was saying it's a law it's a, it's a law principle that, that when I want to do good it's going to be a law a fact that evil is going to be present with me when I'm trying to do good it's just going to be there that's what Paul was saying verse 22 for I delight in the law of God after the inward man his spirit his inward part he delighted in that in the laws of God and doing the right thing but then verse 23 says as I in my inward man I desire the the things of God the laws of God of the inward man but then in verse 23 he said but there's a, another side to this but I see another law even though I see a law that when I want to do good evil is present 
with me, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in the mem- which is in my members what he was talking about is that flesh flesh but he was talking about this in the sense that um i, I want to do good but evil's always with me it's always there tempting haunting speaking and, and you know a lot of times he even talks about the mind that says the mind a lot of times is that battlefield we know that you know before you ever um, commit a sin or do something wrong uh, there is a battle that goes on because you know right from wrong a battle going on the laws are fighting against each other you want to do right you want to do good but then the laws of the members of the flesh the members of the flesh is, is fighting against this law and warring against the law of my mind I want to do good inside I want to do good but but then that battle goes on in the mind and either I say in my mind I'm going to do the right thing no matter what else anything else says to me or I'm going to do the wrong thing but it says that it eventually brings me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members and then Paul starts talking about O wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from the body of this death And then verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. It's a battle. Laws to do good, laws to do bad. uh, I'm reading a book. Actually, I just finished the book. And uh, it's it's a book my pastor wrote. He He just wrote it, got it out we'll talk about it I, I would love for you to be able to get the book it's a very easy read I like those easy read books it's not real thick uh, but you can read a chapter and feel like you've really accomplished a whole lot uh, in it but, but what it is is eyewitnesses to miracles miracles that he's experienced seen, prayed for and as I read through this it really builds your faith I do recommend it and we'll talk about that here maybe on Sunday about it or some Sunday here soon but um, in this it was talking about Sister Holland and how that she had a heart issue and they rushed her to the hospital Uh, this was a few years ago and when they got her there she evidently died either on the way or at the hospital she died and this is what she said she said that she saw her bo- herself leave her body she was leaving that flesh behind she was leaving that body of, of uh, the, that is bound by the laws of sin temptation she was leaving that body and she gave the testimony that she was walking toward a light you ever heard this before this testimony not this testimony but testimonies like this that she was walking toward a light she said it was so peaceful and so wonderful and just beauty the beauty of everything there and she said uh, it was such a beautiful thing and then she she said that all of a sudden in her family uh, 
started going through her mind as she was separated from her body. She died and she was thinking about her husband. She was thinking about her oldest son, her middle son. And then she got to thinking about her youngest son. And when she started thinking about her youngest son, she started saying to the Lord, but he needs his mom. He needs his mom. And then she went back into her body and she came back to life. And evidently the Lord allowed her to go back. But here's the thing about it. That testimony was almost identical to the testimony my great-grandmother had. And I've relayed that message to you all before. Uh, just to refresh your memory about it, um, it was about how that sh she had taken some medication that she was allergic to, didn't know it at that time. And she took the medication by the doctor's prescription and she got very, very sick. She was in a bed and she, uh, she uh, evidently had family around her bed and she was so sick that she died from this medication. And she left her body she left that old flesh that is bound by the laws again away. She came, went away. And here's her testimony. She said, I was walking toward a light. And she said it was the most peaceful place she had ever been. And it was the most glorious place. She was walking toward that light. And she had a lot of battles with heart issues. My great-grandmother did and this and that. And, uh, but as she was walking toward the light, she said all of a sudden she went out of that area where the light was and went right back into her body and as she went back into her body she had died but when she went back in her body she opened her eyes and around her bed was her family praying for her that God would bring her back and she said to them why did you bring me back I wanted to stay where I was at and it was like the exact same testimony so and I've heard it with other people too. This, this thing after death is real. These testimonies, you know, Sister Holland knows my great-grandmother, but she never heard the testimony. I told them the other day that her testimony is exactly like my great-grandmother's testimony. They didn't know that. But there's something powerful after death. But you see, there's, while we're here on earth, there is battles of laws, laws of the inward that wants to do right and the laws of the flesh that wants to do wrong. But when we leave this body someday, if we've made ourselves ready to meet God, we're going to leave this body and then talking about one of the beautiful things of heaven, we're not going to have that fight anymore of trying to figure out what's right and wrong and doing the right thing, making the right decision because we're going to be in a heavenly place. We're going to be separated from the bondage of the laws of the flesh trying to bind us and trying to get us to do the wrong thing. You see, in, there's a lot of things in life that can get us out of focus and get us away from what God really wants for our lives is for us to have a relationship with him and to be obedient to his word because all of this is not to say, you know, it's not to have a pastor that's saying, well, I want to keep control over you. I want to power. No, I'm not power hungry. I'm just a, 
underservant of the Lord. He is the great shepherd. I'm just the under shepherd to try to lead his people to him. And when we get there, we're going to be thankful that we did make the right decision to be ready to meet God. Um, there, is, there is times that, that decisions have to be made and, and we're faced with what's right and what's wrong. And that's where I come to the story of Daniel. And I know we're not going to get too far with it because we're, we've got a lot of time into uh, the other parts of this, but Daniel was faced with either making a right decision or making a wrong decision, and he was faced with that several times in the book of Daniel. Several times. The Hebrew children... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's, that's not their actual name. That's the names they gave them in the, in the captivity times. But um, um, they had some decisions to make. They could have made decisions of what, have, what would have made them feel better, more comfortable, or more safe in their thinking. But really what it comes down to is if we obey the word of God, we're going to be more comfortable. We're going to be more safe. We're going to be uh, we're going to love it even more. We're going to want it even more. And we're going to be glad that we made the decision to do what the Bible says. But when we allow the flesh to lead us, then the flesh and the laws of, that are in our members of the flesh are going to lead us in a place we think we're going to be comfortable. It's going to lead us in a place we think we're going to be doing the right thing and, and it's going to be a safe place. But there's no safer place than in obedience to the word of God. There's no more comfortable place than in the place where God's word is obeyed. There's no more blessing. There's no more place of greater blessing than in obedience to the word of God. So we're faced with what's right and wrong every day. But Daniel stayed focused he stayed focused now I'm going to read to you Daniel chapter 6 verse 1 through 4 and it's going to give us an overall view of Daniel I know there were several things transpired before we even get to the Daniel 6 in the book of Daniel but this is just another event event of saying okay Daniel here's the right thing here's the wrong thing what are you going to do you're faced with it but Daniel stayed focused on what God wanted that's what led him through this it pleased Darius now he was the king it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes which should be over the whole kingdom. Verse 2, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first. So they had 120 princes, and then they had three presidents, of, which, of whom Daniel was first. He was one of the presidents, but he was, the Bible said he was first. He was preferred, he had favor. Uh, that the princes might give accounts unto them and the king should have no damage. So they buffered uh, 
the effects so that the king wouldn't get damaged and they would take the buffering or the brunt of the things that would come to the king. They were there to help him out. And then verse 3 says, Then Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes. Why was that? Because, the scripture says, because an excellent spirit was in him. How do you get an excellent spirit? I, I believe you get an excellent spirit by doing what the word of God says. W what is the almighty spirit? The spirit of God. He is the creation of all mankind. He spoke the worlds into existence. He, God is a spirit, moved upon the earth. He was a creator, created all things. So there was an excellent spirit that was in him. It was the spirit of God that was within him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. He had favor with the king in the time of captivity that Israel was in captivity. So the, then the presidents, verse 4, and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Now I'm sure that if you were to talk to Daniel... He would probably say, no, I'm not perfect. He could probably find a lot of faults within his own life. And I know we could find a lot of faults within our lives. There's things that, you know, we, we try to do the right thing, but, you know, we, we have things we would like to do better. That's okay. It's okay to have things that we're working on. If you're not working on them, I'd be more concerned about that. <laughs> if you're not working on them. But we do have things we're working on. That's a healthy thing for a church and for individuals, for us to continue to work on things. But the king uh, could trust him. The king could trust him. You know, in this world we live in right now, I, I've, I've looked at situations with bosses and employees and, and all kinds of different scenarios. I... I've been around bosses. I've been around employees, fellow employees. I've seen some that you could trust, and I've seen some you couldn't trust. Um, but what employee would find favor with the boss in a scenario where people that could be trusted and people couldn't? They'd probably find favor in the ones that, or give favor to the ones that they could trust. If let, let me put it this way don't give a reason not to trust especially as a child of God don't give reason for people to not trust us people are smart you're smart we're, I'm smart we're all smart we're human beings we know a lot of things but we also know when people can be trusted and people can't be trusted Bosses will promote those that they can trust, of course. And, and sometimes, sometimes, and I know this is a scenario I've seen before too, but sometimes there are people that 
buddy up to the boss and sometimes the boss is blinded <laughs> too he thinks he can trust them and then they steal him blind that's a sad scenario but in the case of Daniel and the king Daniel distinguished himself he was a man that could be trusted he was a man that would go the extra mile he was a man that would that would step out and and I, I believe that that King Darius in, in looking at these scriptures he felt like that he could put the trust of the kingdom in Daniel's hands and he would not destroy him as the king he had that much trust in him matter of fact we find Joseph in the Bible that the uh, you know that Pharaoh trusted Joseph even to the point where he gave him power over um, uh, to control the whole country because he had a prophetic word and a dream and he had some things he, he set up and, and it helped Egypt so the king Pharaoh knew that he could trust Joseph to not destroy him Joseph had to go through a whole lot get to the, get to that point of making right decisions when he was faced with right and wrong but he made the right decisions but Daniel distinguished himself Daniel was one of the three leaders directly under Darius and he shined above the other two leaders because he had as the Bible says an excellent spirit you see the word of God is not trying to uh, suffocate you it is not trying to bring you down keep a collar on you to where you can't be free and be alive and live and no really what it comes down to what we think is good and what we think is the best for us and what we think is going to give comfort and safety and all of this uh, what we think is going to do that a lot of times when it's contrary to the word of God we will find that the word of God knows more about it than we do because we base it on feelings we base it on feelings it goes back to the thought would you save the dog or the stranger that decision was based on feelings but he had an excellent spirit and Daniel had a good attitude in his work and in his life and, and this made him the object of attack when you want to do right evil is always lurking around and when you do the right thing the devil doesn't like that and the devil it really doesn't matter what the devil thinks especially if we have settled it in our mind and in our heart to do the right thing to walk in the word of God it doesn't matter what the devil thinks or what he tries or what he tempts or whatever he speaks these little things in our lives but you see Daniel had a good attitude in his work and his life and but he because of these things he was an object of attack the Bible says jealousy is as cruel as the grave jealousy crept in with these three not well two presidents Daniel was the third and then they had the 120 princes but but jealousy crept into the other two and they wanted to attack him and bring him down because what they saw was favor of the king with Daniel so when I say this uh, what brought Daniel to the point of, of um, 
of an excellent spirit is was decisions that he made walking in the word of God and the laws of God that he knew at that time walking in those laws and what he found was blessings came to his life now we know that he was he was he was backed up against the wall at one point but it didn't change his focus on his relationship that he had built with God and he built it long before the decision came to either make a right decision or wrong decision that is important for us right now to build our relationship with God to the point where when the, when the temptation comes along to either make right decisions or wrong decisions that I've already got it established I've already got my my heart set I've got my soul set I've got my decisions made that that I'm going to live for God I'm going to walk with God I'm going to be obedient to the word of God doesn't mean we're going to be perfect Daniel wasn't perfect we're not perfect but it means that when we fail or we fall flat on our face we get back up because I have settled in my heart in my mind and in my soul that I'm going to live for God and be obedient to his word the reason why we sometimes might fall flat on our face is because we're still dealing with the law of the inward man and the outward man and the battle that goes on. So what I'm saying here tonight is, is when we decide to do the right things, also understand that we're subject to attack from others and others will even try you because they see the blessings of the Lord upon your life because of a disciplined discipline life in the word of God. But he was subject to attack. But he was a man with an excellent spirit. And I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there. We'll go on and we'll find out what happens to Daniel. I think you already know most about it, but we're going to go a little deeper in that. And uh, we might even talk about how that um, he tickled the chins of the lions in the lion's den. You know that's in the Word of God? Oh, it's not in the Word of God. I'm just telling you. I'm just testing you. But if your imagination can kind of go, maybe, maybe he did. Maybe he had a conversation with them. Maybe, they, you know, maybe he petted them. I don't know. There's no telling what happened. I don't see a, a, a report in the Bible that talks about that other than I know that he, well, we'll find out later. I think you already know. Amen. I'd like for us to stand. And I'd like for us to give thanks again as we close today to the Lord for he has given us every opportunity and every tool and every promise and every blessing to be able to have, be blessed in our lives if we do the right thing. Amen. Let's thank him for that. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the word of God. I thank